We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Light Years Podcast here. Um, Andy is missing in action. I think the Lakers making the finals is too much for him. No, nah, no, nah, it was a planned trip. <laughs> He's finally had enough. So I had to get a standard. I'm like, well, if Andy's out, I have to get someone else who's San Francisco native. That's right. And, and uh, highest rated guest of this season was Aaron Larsall. Aaron, how you Wait, doing, is that? I'm great, but is that true? I don't know. At least three people uh, DM me saying it was good. That that counts as oh, high strength. Well, uh, well, I don't know what kind of traction you guys get normally, but <laughs> I'll take that as a win. I love it. Thank you. I don't know. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Isn't that the Isn't that the deal with social media? Like the fact that it's personalized makes it feel like three to five comments represent like a broader opinion than not. Yeah, that it is the best of us and also the worst of us, and. Um, yeah. The minority, no matter what their opinion is, whether good, generally bad, but even if it's good, uh, generally bad, though, uh, the minority opinion, they generally tend to shout the loudest. And so we think that, uh, especially on Twitter, we think that that is representative of uh, of the global opinion, and it is far from it. But if three or five people said I was really positive, they really enjoyed me on the Light Years podcast last time, then uh, I'm going to take that as a win. Yeah, three, five, five hundred, same thing. Um, 
<laughs> so for those who didn't hear the last episode, besides from your can be our glory days, give them a rundown of where, where they can hear you and what you do. Uh, so presently I, uh, work for what some of your listeners, actually probably a large faction of your listeners would consider the hated Los Angeles Lakers. I live in, uh, I live in LA. I work for the Lakers. I do the official Lakers podcast. I've been doing that for a few years and I'm generally lucky enough to get to travel with the team, not in the bubble presently. Uh, but previous to that, I worked for the trailblazers in various capacities for, a long time lived in Portland, and um, before that, worked for uh, KNBR in the Ticket 1050. Early, early, early in like uh, what, like 2001, 2002, back back in those days. Screening screening uh, calls on Larry Hughes, Bobby Sura, Montego. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Actually, Montego yes. might have been before you. But, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Wondering why I had to go up. We used to do actually do a show. Uh, I think it was on Wednesdays on one of the shows I produced. We used to do a show from oracle and uh before the game so i would do like you know through the three to seven show and before the show started we'd be out there we would be uh kind of hanging out setting up down at the floor and like halfway through the show gilbert arena starts tr- going to dunk off the trampoline you know they, they set up right. i don't know is it before the between the third and fourth course i don't know what it is but you know like the hoop squad the the, the warriors one is like southwest airlines like- now i think right I feel like they didn't bring the um, was it the flying uh, it, flying dubs? They didn't bring them over to Chase this year. I can't remember. This whole year at Chase is a little depressing. I can't like get all into the little halftime shows, and you know I'm I'm more concerned with like figuring out if they have five NBA players. But <laughs> so was, up up through last year at Oracle, definitely still a thing. So it's before. Uh, I want. I think it's bef- it's before a game during Gilbert's rookie year, right. and he's trying to dunk off the trampoline. And I pull him aside. I go, Gilbert, man, what, what's what's the language like on on, uh, on your podcast? Are we, yeah, uh, you get, we we can edit it out if it's too explicit, but don't worry about it. All right. So I I said, look, I'm like Gil, man, what the f are you doing? You're gonna come out here before the game. You're trying to dunk off a trampoline. You're gonna tear your ACL dunking off a trampoline. <laughs> Just stop it. Get get away from here before anybody else sees you. So. That is back in the uh, in, in the KMBR days. Uh, I, I grew up in the city. Went to uh, went to Washington High School. Uh, go Eagles! I think. By the way, still, isn't I think we're still the Eagles? Isn't that still a thing that um, no one, no players are jumping off trampolines trying to dunk on good teams? That's only stuff that happens when you're like fighting for a lottery spot when no one gives. Yes, uh, that is precisely what happened. People that ha- have their S together teams yeah. that have it together and frankly in those days the Warriors did not teams that have themselves together nobody right. is doing that I also actually my first after Troy Murphy got drafted look we're going behind the curtain here after yeah. Troy, uh, we were going to have him on on one of the shows on KNBR that I was producing so I called Troy Murphy up at the allotted time you know Warriors PR is set right. up it's the day after he's he's been drafted, right? You know, we're it's at whatever three whatever Pacific time we're calling him. So he's at a hotel somewhere. So I call I call Troy up in the hotel. He answers. I said, "Hey, man, you know, hey, it's Aaron from KMBR. Appreciate you taking the time to do this. Congratulations on getting picked. All that. Uh, are, you, are you ready to go?" And he's like, "What? You know, <laughs> didn't know this was a you know like Warriors PR set this up. Yeah, you know, we're the Warriors station." <laughs> And he goes, huh? He goes, man, I'm sleeping. I need to take a nap. Can you call me back in like two hours? 
Oh, nice. That was Troy, that was Troy Murphy's introduction to Warriors Nation uh, in uh, 2000? 2000? I don't know. I think Several, was, 20 years I think, ago. No, he got drafted. He got the same draft as uh, Jay Rich, right? It yeah. was yeah, I think it was Jay Rich. Uh, it was Jay Rich, him and Gil, actually. Yeah, I think the of three course, of them in got Warriors in Warriors fashion, the last pick of the bunch ends up being the br- the best player. Um, uh, I mean, not, not for the Warriors, but like, no, but in general, but at least, the most talented. But at least there was a rule change out of it. Yeah, we we don't need to go down the history of the Gilbert Arenas rule. Um, but s- since we're talking about second round picks who panned out for the Warriors. I got to dive into Draymond Green here. That's right a now. great, that is a professional segue. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> so Draymond, not too happy on uh, Instagram today. I need someone who's kind of outside the warrior Twitter world to maybe talk me off the ledge here or tell me, I just, I just need another perspective here. So Draymond's not at the mini camp. Let, let's start there. Should we be thinking anything in the fact that Draymond and Steph didn't go to this little I don't even want to call it the double because I don't want to give the Warriors social media team credit for a name like that. Wait, what did they what did what did they call it? Instead of the bubble, it's the double. The double? Like dubs. The, oh, oh, oh. Not double as in two, like double as in short for W. Got it. Like yeah, substitute dubs. the okay, B right. for D. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh so I mean, the Warriors social media team is fantastic. Um, has been for several years. They've lost some talent. They've bled a little. There's been a brain drain in Warriors social media. I, the Warriors social media team is still good. That's not their best effort, in my opinion. Well, I, don't, um, I don't even know if they named it, but they're definitely the ones tasked with branding it all over every platform ever. So, so should we worry about um, Draymond and Steph not being there? I think we got to separate those two guys. Um, okay, Steph, I, I have no concern. I don't know. Frankly, I don't know what. This all the teams that uh, I don't get the 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 non elite eight whatever they whatever they they delete eight yeah the delete well, right the Warriors are in a unique position because every other team in there there has been bad for a while yeah it's like I mean Atlanta is probably the only player who at least has identified a core like at least they know Trey's their core piece but like the Knicks, no, Minnesota the, Minnesota has identified their core also. True, I don't true. know that it's, yeah. I don't know that it's going to be and Warrior fans will care about this because the Warriors have the top 3 protected pick next year. The Minnesota has identified their core. Right, I right. No, I don't know that it's the core that you want necessarily, but they've sure. identified their core. Um, but but like you get what I'm saying. Like yeah, the Bulls, absolutely. the Bulls it's like okay, you like a handful of their players on some level, you don't really know if they have anything there that's like worth like there's any player on that roster who'd say you wouldn't trade, for example. Fair. Same with yeah, like Charlotte, fair. the Knicks. Uh, anyway, the Warriors are clearly in a different position because they're assuming they're competing next year given the players they have come back. Fair. And and I think that is um I, I think that speaks to what this means for them. I look, you don't want guys not having played NBA basketball games or even scrimmaged or gotten together with their teammates in eight or nine or 10 or 12 months, uh, depending on when the season starts, which is what it would be had these teams not been able to have their mini camps. And what, and um, what it will be for Steph and Clay. And I mean, we just got reports today. Clay's not scrimmaging. Clay's going through yeah. workouts, but they're still, I mean, they, they clearly don't want, they don't want to take any risks on him. Like what, what is the point of having him like try to D up someone and aggra- re-aggravate his knee right now? So I think that's right. But I think for the Warriors, because Steph 
was hurt and played, what was it, four or five games. Only played one game coming back. Clay didn't play at all. Draymond was kind of in and out of the lineup. I think it does matter for the Warriors some because they are trying to implement Andrew Wiggins as a core piece. You hear them talk about the core four, whatever you think of Andrew Wiggins' game. Look, he is positionally, and even game-wise, he's a really good fit with the Warriors' uh, superstar core, with Draymond, with Steph, and with Clay. And those guys just haven't played basketball together. So I think it is important for them to get a sense of – and the Warriors have a lot of decisions to make upcoming here. So I think it I is – I mean, they have, they have like five guaranteed contracts on the roster right now. So right. if nothing else, they have a lot of decisions to make. Right. And what are you going to do with the – we're going to talk about it later, but what will you do with the number two pick – Obviously, there's the traded player exception, and then there's the Warriors are going to be in the tax. Well, we don't know exactly what the tax is going to look like, but we're assuming the Warriors are going to be in the tax. So that middle, so there's a lot of dis- decisions coming up uh, in this offseason for the Warriors. So I think it would be helpful to get those guys playing together, get those guys on the court together to see how Wiggins fits in with those guys. But I think it matters, frankly, a lot more for Draymond than it does for Steph. Uh, Steph can play with anybody. Steph is uniquely offensively talented. Um, and frankly, Draymond, I, I think it's a fair question as to what he has left. Um, he it's was, also a he fair was, question what he's doing at this point. Like, well, we see him I mean, on it's, TNT. It's more fair. Look, I, 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 Draymond, I, I trust mostly. Um, but I think it is more of a fair question for him than it is for Steph. So if you're asking me, like, who is Steph's, is more Steph's never been out of shape. Clay's never been out of shape. What, Draymond has been out of shape for multiple years. Sure. But, yes, that's fair. And that you're not wrong. That's true. However, um, there is a method to Draymond's madness. And he's not – even in his Michigan State days, look, he's not a guy that's going to be slender – and he's a guy that has often used the NBA season to get ready for the playoffs because, right. as he has said, there are 16 game players and there are 82 game players that kind of shout out Jacob uh, Evans oh, that overlooks. <laughs> just shout out Jacob Evans. That's funny. That kind of overlooks the fact that it's 16 wins in the playoffs and it's 82 right. games in the regular season. So it's a strange quote, but I but I understand what he's getting at there. However. This was the first year. Now, look, I thought going into the 1920 season, is that still where we are? I think so. Uh, But going into that season, I expected the Warriors to be really good. I didn't think the Warriors were going to be as good as they had been previously. But I thought the Warriors would be somewhere between a three and six seed in the Western Conference. But I think this was the first year since Draymond became a starter, took over, got all of those minutes. um, When when David Lee's hamstring (laughs) quit on him in the preseason, um, I, which for Steve Kerr's hand, I don't know if he would have made that decision without it, his hand being forced. That's, but that's a different. That's a whole nother story. Different what conversation. Hap- what happens if if uh, Dealey never goes down? But, all uh, all I'm trying to do is um, prove my Warriors credentials to all of your listeners. Uh, so I think that's a fair question. But Draymond, this that would have been this season would have been the first season where it wasn't kind of pretty well established where the Warriors were in the pecking order right. and where it would have been the time to see like, okay, Dre, you do have to show something in the regular season. You do have to play in the regular season. Um, and, you know, frankly, he wasn't great. He was, he was inconsistent, but overall pretty good in last year's playoffs, which happened, I think at this point, like 26 months ago. Um, but he was pretty good in those playoffs. So I think it's a, it's a kind of an open question 
of whether Draymond still has it when he when he needs it, when he needs to go to it. And will he still have it? Will he still I mean, because he is I think the three the three guys that have the highest basketball IQ in the NBA are LeBron, Rajon Rondo. Sometimes that's used for good and sometimes for evil with Rajon, Whoa. but Draymond, Rajon, and LeBron James. In where's where's Iguodala in that in that mix? We're going to talk Iggy, about Iggy. Yeah, you know, Iggy. We will get to Iggy. I think Iggy, I think Iggy's on that list too. Iggy, yes, Iggy's probably Iggy's on that list. Chris too. Paul. I mean, there's there's a short yeah, list there. Chris Paul. Uh, Chris I, mean, Paul I didn't has, say I didn't say, le- I didn't say uh, he wasn't uh, annoying, but I mean, he's no, he's no, pretty Chris, damn smart. Chris, Chris Paul is very smart. He has, in my opinion, too many very high profile important moment late game playoff disaster failings to be on that list you mean like kicking someone in the nuts or doing something like that to get yourself suspended in the finals i don't know man. uh so that is that that was <laughs> not the best from draymond um but i think so draymond is my point is i think draymond is a really a very very we can argue he, about he's, the list, obje- but he's is, objectively one of the smarter players in right the and so the i think will he be will he figure out that where the Warriors place in the NBA landscape, how that has changed and that maybe he needs to turn it on earlier and be in shape for the regular season, as opposed to just for the postseason. Will he recognize as smart as he is, will he recognize that? I think there's, but there it's an open question about if he does recognize that, will he do it? Can he do it? And even if he can, how much does he have left in the tank? I think those are fair questions. So because of those reasons, I think it was it's more important for Draymond to be around than Steph. Yeah, so I'm giving full context here to people, and he's he's commenting on Instagram. So he's basically spent the whole playoffs being a pundit. Yeah. Uh, he's predictably excellent at it. Like he's, he, he's just really good. You're right. He's better on inside the NBA than any player who goes on that show who's not a regular. And like for for the regulars, they're they're just fun at this point. But like. They, we do get like you know random players like D Wade goes on and stuff and they're fine but it's it's just not the same level of like natural talent in terms of like talking X's nose off the cuff in a way that's really easily digestible for someone as Draymond which kind of fits his personality he's always been a great communicator when he wants to be in that capacity um, and you know he's he's uh, he's been praising LeBron who's not the Warrior fan not Warrior fans favorite player um, he has. Which, uh, you know, ties in with him signing with Clutch. And now he's, you know, commenting on Warriors Talk. Shout out, shout out my guy Joe, who runs that Instagram account. Um, you know, saying you guys love to see a black man put each other down. Stay mad. Fuck out of here. Go support that. Like, he's, he's getting tired at Warrior fans getting upset at him over not being in the bubble, uh, over his praise of LeBron. Ultimately. I don't know that commenting on Instagram matters that much. It's probably just hits a, a soft spot with warrior fans considering the Kevin Durant departure a little bit. And Uh it just ties into a long list of grievances I have with Draymond. And, and it's kind of hard because on the flip side with every bad thing Draymond does, there's like two good things, right? You know, he gets himself suspended in game five for game five of the finals and then puts together one of the most epic game sevens. Yeah, we have like 32, 15, and seven. Or something yeah, he, uh, right. he recruits Kevin Durant and then he 
berates him to the point that it's like a national story. And I don't think he's the reason Katie left. Like it's pretty clear. Uh, Katie was kind of eyeing a new team and a new chapter. In his I don't think, regardless. I mean, you're probably right. I don't think it helped. I think Andy yeah. is probably the reason he left, but uh. <laughs> man, taking shots with the guy, not here. No, like your point help. it's a dichotomy of Draymond. It's like, you take the good with the bad with him. And, but I, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, man's, sitting on podcasts with Maverick Carter making fun of Steph. Meanwhile, he's taking to Instagram to defend LeBron James. How do you think the fan base can react to that, buddy? Come on. It's not deeper than, you know, that Steph's their guy. Steph can do no wrong for Warriors fans. And LeBron is their peak rival and will be their peak rival as long as this team exists. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. um, I think it's it's probably a little tone deaf from – from Dre. Um, I also don't know that he cares. I don't think he cares. In fact, I don't know him that well. I know him a little bit. I don't really know him. Um, I saw, I know LeBron a lot better than I know Dre, but I, I I can assure you from what I know of Dre, he doesn't care. Um, (laughs) like he doesn't like it is, it is, frankly, it is a little tone deaf, right? Like Warriors fans are not going to like it. I understand why Warriors fans wouldn't like it. What's a lot of the, like, you know, I mean, he's, he's doing the whole, like has Damian Lillard on his podcast and it's like, I just watched it. It was pretty good. I just watched that. I mean, again, he's really good at media. He's, if he wants to go that route, he's going to be excellent at it. He's a great communicator on that, on that level, but he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely going that route. (laughs) <laughs> but I think with Draymond, I mean, I think you, 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 I think you hit it on the head, right? And it, this is true of a lot of guys. It's it's generally right. more true in football than it is in basketball. Sure, because in football we ask for these guys to be like inherently violent human beings, and then like want them to turn it off when we don't want it, and that's not the way the world works. But even in basketball, right? Like these guys that are so fiery that they get texts a lot. Right. Like that's that's not great, right? And we wish that Draymond hadn't. Now, whatever you think of the accumulation of all of those flagrant and technical foul points in those playoffs for Draymond, what you think, whatever you think of the calls is neither here nor there. But the fact that he can't turn that off or won't or doesn't turn that off is part of his personality. But that is also that drive, that anger, that channeled anger, uh, that chip on his shoulder all is also what makes him great. And so I don't think it's, yeah, you don't get the 32, 15, nine in the finals without the, also he might fly off the handle. You you don't get right. You don't get the, you don't get the, I mean, literally one of the best five or 10 defensive players in the history of the sport because of his IQ, but because of he's he's you know, he's got long arms, but he's not big. He's not he's the only guy earth- with long arms on earth. Right. Yeah. He's also he's also earthbound. Right. He can't jump. He's not quick. Right. But because of his desire, because of his like channeled aggression and anger, instincts. because of that, his yeah. instincts, all of that. Right. That is what has made him one of the five or ten best defensive players in the history of the NBA, in my opinion, and absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I guess you don't, uh, so, so you don't get, necessarily get that. And so, so that kind of in t- that, that dichotomy, as you called it is true off the court too. That, and I don't care what anybody thinks and I'm going to do my thing and go, right. go, 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 like 
maybe he doesn't think to turn that off in certain situations because that's just not him. And being him very, very, uh, like to his core, being himself to his core is what makes him that guy. I guess if I'm looking at it, so, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. It, this That's just kind of the riddle of Draymond. Uh, if he had better control of it and could play at the same level, there would never have been questions about him the whole way through his career. With all that said, you're getting back to the question. From a Warrior fan perspective, I'm looking at it this way where I'm like, he kind of mailed it in last year, willing to give him a pass there because, well, Steph was out the whole year. Clay was out the whole year. Um, they were bringing guys up and down from the G League all year. They were going nowhere, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the thing. You know, you can, you can give him a pass. I'm sitting here wondering, what's he, is he, is he doing anything to get better at this point? Because I, I don't know, part of, part of the run, part of the thing that was annoying about the run was his offense got worse the whole way through. And a lot of that was injuries. A lot of that was his back, his shoulder, his hip. Like he, the way he plays just leads to being banged up, which is part of the reason this layoff, you know, if you want to talk yourself into a reset for the Warriors, he probably physically needed the reset more than any player uh, in the core. Uh, On the flip side, he doesn't have Kevin Durant on this team anymore. He needs to be a better scoring threat. And I don't know if that's coming back. And when you see all these little things, which are juvenile, pointless, I mean, they are objectively pointless. So he's friends with LeBron. Who cares, right? Um, it, It does make a fan kind of annoyed and question, is he worth it at this point? Yeah, but you're not, look, all everything that you just said is, is right. But I think it's a fair question um, to ask, like, if that bothers warrior fans. And I, again, I understand why it could. And what you said is not wrong, but a couple things. One, we have no idea what Draymond is doing. Um, some guys, you guys, uh, look, I, I'm a big fan of y'all podcast, right? And you guys talk about for love of fame, love of the game, right? Yeah. All the time. So he doesn't post on IG. I get it. Right. Yeah. He's not posting his workouts on IG. Does that mean he's doing them? I, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. All right. We don't really have any way. of And, th- and that's ties back to if it was Steph, I'm not concerned because I've right. never seen Steph. I've, I've never seen him out of shape. I've never had to read a story about Bob Myers talking to Steph about getting in better shape. Yeah, but Draymond, it, like, I mean, their roles are inherently different. So yes, but Draymond also, like, you're wondering if the scoring is going to come back. No, probably not. <laughs> right? Like, it wasn't really ever there aside from one season where he shot like 39% from three for that was nice though. reason. Right. That we just don't <laughs> like, right. We just like, he just did. Right. Yeah. Um, he is not, he's not a good three point shooter. Right. Um, he can do a little bit on the show. He was, wall. he was more athletic and that yeah, might, also, that might just al- be being 25 versus being right. 30. That's what I'm saying. He's also, he's 30 years old now and he is not, no matter what kind of shape we all hope he gets in, he's not going to be a guy that's not going to carry extra weight. He just, that's how his body is built. And no matter what he does, he's going to be like a bigger guy. He's going to carry more weight. So that can add, not can, that does add more wear and tear, but like, I don't know what Draymond's been doing. I understand why it frustrates fans that he is 
appearing to spend a bunch of his time on social media talking about LeBron. I get why both of those things independently could be frustrating for Warriors fans, but I think it is also a fair question. Look, Draymond doesn't care, but I think it's also a fair question to ask, like, why should he care? Like, do you think he should care that what he's doing is frustrating to fans? I mean, not really. Draymond's won three titles. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I think Draymond really wants to win. Uh, I think if the Warriors are good again, which I suspect the Warriors will be good again, I think if the Warriors are good again, Draymond is going to give what he has. Will it be enough? We'll see. But, like, Draymond's place is kind of secure. And so I, I think it's a fair question to ask, should we or should Draymond care what Warriors fans think of what he's doing in the offseason? It's also just a subsect who's online. So I don't know. It's It rubs me the wrong way. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe this has been the longest offseason ever. Um, no, I know, all but hold all on, that hold ties on, together. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry for interrupting <laughs> you on your own podcast. But like, I understand why it rubs you the wrong way. And I agree that it, like, it should even rub you the wrong way. However, I think it's still a fair question. Like, Should he care? So? Right? Like, so? Yeah. But you're right. No, I, again, I get why it's frustrating. I do wonder also how much of it is tied to the fact that the players probably think we have five months till next season starts, not two months, you know, like mm-hmm. they're not starting in December. Absolutely. Um, not. It's not official yet, but Adam Silver just came out and said, How about like, this? I'll make, I'll make it official. The NBA season <laughs> is not, I mean, I, I would do the same thing, but yeah, you, you know what I mean? It's not official, official. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't got the Woj tweet telling us it's official, but yes, we know they're not playing. I mean, what, what's your guess? What, do you, what are you thinking? I honestly think like Valentine's Mid-February, day would be yeah. the earliest. Yeah. Well, I think that, so I think, I think this, it's a kind of a, it is a two prong It's like kind of a choose your own adventure. So I think that the NBA for a bunch of reasons, financial reasons that we can get into, but we don't have to very, very, very specific. In fact, I know this to be true is very concerned with concerned is not the right word. Very much wants there to be fans at least in some capacity at as many games as possible next year. They would like, obviously they would like full capacity at every game next year. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't, I also don't think they're going to play with nobody in arenas. The, the bubble thing is not going to happen again. They just can't do it again. Yeah. I mean, the bubble really only made fence for the playoffs and honestly watching the farther it goes, like I, I don't want to say I have sympathy for, you know, people, with that much money, but it's like, it is hard. Like it would wear on any human. No, matter I don't care how, how much money you have. Yeah. Nobody, I promise you, I, I'm talking to the, I've talked to the, nobody that is there wants to be there. There's a job to do and they'll get the job sure. done. Right. But nobody that is there wants to be there. That's players. That's team staff. That's coaches. That's family members. That's media people. Nobody that is there wants to Scott be there. Scott Foster going to throw the finals to get everyone home faster. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's that's that's, yeah that's that's why so if if i think as in the next couple months if we learn that getting people in arenas is farther off than we think and it just like is not going to happen in large quantities for next season 
I think they may start a little earlier, but if it's going to be like, look, if we wait, if we delay it an extra month, we think we can have people there, whether it's a vaccine. Um, got it. Got people? it. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like things mid-fit. out of them. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of things out of the NBA's hands. It's all fluid. Literally yes. the release of a vaccine that the CDC and F- FDA is approved would just change the timeline for every sport. And, you know, you can't really blame the NBA for keeping the whole situation as fluid as possible. I'm sure the teams who played deep into the bubble are not upset about that because the turnaround time from the finals to starting December 1st was always like, I saw that. I was like, that's not going to happen. No, that was, that was always, yeah. The, like the, that was like the miracle like, off season. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was always going to, that was always going to be uh, a little challenging. My guess is, my guess is sometime in February, unless, you know, my guess is sometime in February with like partial kind of what you're kind of what you're seeing, like in college football, where it's, you know, 10 to 25% people right. in attendance. One, yeah, like with one the, fifth, one fourth. Yeah. I mean, I do know that, the Warriors have, um, have emailed season ticket holders and contacted them kind of alluding to if we were allowed to have, you know, 5,000 fans, 4,000, something like that. Like, would you be interested? You know, and that sort of thing, just trying to gauge, because I think, I I do think you're, you're right. We're going to see some sort of tiered approach where it's like, and it's going to be like those weird football games we see with like 12,000 fans. Well, I also think though, I I think the one with the one caveat, my guess is sometime mid February, you said Valentine's day. That makes sense to me. Yeah. It's a middle of February. Yeah. You can be, well, I don't know how your wife's going to feel about this, but you can be my date for the opener uh, (laughs) on Valentine's day. Um, I think that with the caveat that if there is some indication, there is good Intel that, maybe if they push it off a month that it could be 50% capacity or right, it could be 100% right. capacity. I think the NBA will take that extra. I don't think they're going to wait three months to start the season, sure. but I think they will wait a month, six weeks. They'll push it back if that means they can get more fit because look, like, frankly, they need the money. It's, it, it's, we've seen, we're going to see what it's going to do to the cap. That's going to matter for all teams and the taxes and everything. But so I think, I think that it will be shout out Wiggins in the number two for your best player trades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, um, this is, this is the part of, <laughs> this is the part of light years where I just drink Hennessy and don't say anything and just look we, at yeah, we're gonna go, You know what? We're going to go into some ad reads and then get into the fun stuff here. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while they're dining, maybe closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is an app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will come and be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food will be on its way. By the way, shout out to that. I did use DoorDash today and did What'd uh, you get? order one of my favorite taquerias, El Costalito. Come on. Mm. It's a good, yeah. good option. I was feeling very lazy in terms of making the trip, a pay, you know, but whatever. It was easy. I got to watch the full football game. I got to watch Pat Mahomes be maybe the best quarterback in the league. It was enjoyable. Wait, I'm not maybe? Upset. I think the question is maybe the best ever. I think that's hey, Russell, the Russell Wilson exists. 
Russell Wilson's uh, really good. All right. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That $5 off your zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash, DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget the code BLUEWIRE and the $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So can I... I mean, uh, you can text me later, but is there a way that I can specifically make sure that when I enter the code that I know they know it's from your show? I want to pump up your show. Is there? No, it's all all good. Blue Wire, Blue Wire. It's just a whole collective family. Family network here. All right. All right. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet bet on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season from game spreads and totals to teams, players, and coaching props. Bet online gives you option option to wager more than anything else. You can get in on the season season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day, every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook and experts. There we go. I've actually been, well, I actually don't want to get into my, my betting habits right now. It's probably for the better I don't. Um, so it is, it is, it is good. It is a good thing that I am contractually forbidden from gambling, yeah. <laughs> gambling on basketball. <laughs> yeah i mean that that's a i don't want to get into that is when's the last time someone in the well i mean we got to go back to when you know the last time the lakers were good when the refs were betting on them but anyway um let's move to the finals that's a great segue to the finals yeah, there you go there you go again <laughs> you're trying, trying to get me fired um, <laughs> I, 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 I respect it my iq goes my iq is pretty high anyway but it goes up like 20 points when i have to dance around this kind of stuff love it <laughs> all right so I think it's actually a pretty fun finals matchup. I didn't think we'd get here. Last time we had on the pod, I think I gave you my sales pitch for the Clippers. I was not planning on – I was trying to brush everything aside with them. And by the way, um, if you're listening to this, you're probably aware of the fact Doc got fired. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's all Doc's fault in any capacity, but all the stuff that plagued him all season was kind of why they fell apart at the end. I mean – you have players leaving the bubble at all times. Some of it was tragic. Like the Trez's situations, obviously out of anyone's control. Some of it like Lou Williams, maybe less virtuous. I don't know. Anyway, you slice it. I'm kind of happy with this matchup. Um, the storylines of it, just they're the two, they're the two teams who probably were the most fun to watch in the bubble the whole way through. There's no other way around it. Uh, whether you love them or hate them, and I know this podcast will skew heavily towards the Heat. Um, yeah, they, they, they get some some Iggy. Pete, you, you're telling me Warriors fans like Iggy better than uh, Quinn Cook and Javale. That's what you're. That's that's you know you know. From, you right? know um, I I think one of them is a little fonder in their hearts. Um, and actually, that reminds me, Iggy had yeah. some interesting quotes today. Let's start he on did. this before we get into okay the actual matchup itself. Um, I thought the parts where he was talking, so he talked to Sam Amick of The Athletic, and um, 
it was it was about a myriad of topics, but he did mention the difference between the Heat and the Warriors. And I just want your perspective on it. I'm not going to get into reading the quotes right now. You know, the re- the listeners can get to it, but you read it. Yeah. Did he kind of painted a picture where the Heat are just more old school by nature, a little militaristic, the whole Heat mm-hmm. culture thing mm-hmm. about work ethic and um, just kind of the old school way. I mean, like if you watch The Last Dance, the way those – practice clips of Michael Jordan, everything showed through. That's, that's kind of the image I get of the heat based on the way Iguodala describes them. And then he describes the warriors a little more new age, more yoga, Mm -hmm. meditation, take care of your own business, less, um, just kind of less in your face. And it, it kind of, if, well, the funny thing is I don't think of Spolstra as a very in your face coach from that capacity, but like the Warriors image definitely mirrors who Steve Kerr is. Yeah. I I think you just, uh, well, I think two things. I think uh, we talked about a little earlier about how smart Iguodala is. And Mm -hmm. I think it highlights that there are multiple ways. What's the cliche? There's, you know, there's more than one way to skin the cat. Right. So I think that matters. Um, but I, I think it does. I, so I think any organization, whether it's, you know, an NBA team, whether it's Blue Wire, whether well, it doesn't matter, any organization. A small is, business corner shop. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, uh, yeah, a little mom and pop podcasting shop. Um, any, any place, right? Any house, it can be a family. It doesn't matter. Any entity, uh, business or otherwise, generally is going to take on the personality of its leader or leaders. Right. And that is that is the case here. Right. That that it doesn't matter if Pat Riley has you can go back to it doesn't matter if it's the Showtime Lakers. It doesn't matter if it's Miami with LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh and and Mike Miller and Ray Allen and and Shane Batty and those guys or if it's this current Miami iteration or any in between. or if it's the Warriors with Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, organizations generally take on the personality of their leaders. Or St- Steph Curry, too. Um, right. It's why Jimmy Butler is a really good fit. He tends towards that. Anyway, so it's why he seems to be a really good fit in Miami. Um, but it, I, think it, I think Iggy is really highlighting that there are multiple ways to win. And there are multiple ways to get the best out of the people around you. And it's finding people that fit into the way that you do. The leaders do it there. Um, it's Pat Riley finding those guys. You described it as militaristic. They have those those uh, the conditioning tests whenever anybody gets there. They are very specific about uh, weighing people. They're very specific about their sports science in Miami. Um, so there's multiple ways to do it. But I think it is. I think it, it, he is highlighting that organizations, NBA teams in this instance, really take on the personality of their leadership. And in Miami, that is very different than Golden State. Steve Kerr is not that dude. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. Steve Kerr is just the quintessential SoCal bro. Exactly. And Steph Curry is, right? He's not in your face. Steph Curry is an incredible leader. Um, but he is laid back. There is the, the Steve Kerr, the, the strength in number stuff. The reason that has been the Warriors mantra for, you know, a handful of years is not an accident. It, it, it bit him in the ass in losing to Cleveland in the finals. Right. But sure. 
it is also a core tenant, right? And you kind of live by the sword and die by the sword. Like we said with Draymond, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a feature, not a bug, right? If Draymond is wild and all over the place, positively and negatively, strength in numbers is a really good thing, and then it can also bite you. Pat Riley so, not being a guy who's ever willing to tank may be the reason right. they signed Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside and a bunch of guys to big contracts instead of kind of playing the asset game for another year or two. So, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, here, here, but here's the other thing I will say about Pat Riley. This is true also when we're going to get into the talk of the matchup. This is also true of, of LeBron, but who is the, absolutely the leader of the Lakers and they take on his personality. For those people, for LeBron, for Pat Riley – for Steve Kerr, for people at the very, very, very top of all of their professions as leaders, nothing happens by accident. So right. you're right. You're right that Riley made some, what I, you and I would consider interesting, not great decisions on signing some guys and committing to a roster. It's, it's at all of that. Signings that However, are not going to be highlighted. In his, not, a, not highlighted in his Springfield, you know, introduction. Fair, fair. But I don't think, but I don't think what I will say about that, right, is I don't think he was caught off guard. No. Uh, I think the preparation was there. And I think, so it, basically the point is there are different ways to skin the cat. And it's, it's fascinating that after there was the acrimony between Riley and LeBron upon LeBron's leaving, you know, six years later, Riley has really, has rebuilt this team, frankly, in his image. And it's not one that's based on, high draft picks right. and signing free aging. It's, you know, he, he got, he got Jimmy I mean, that Butler. Dude, that dude loves Bam and Jimmy. That's like, that's like his dream players. Right. But right. Bam and Jimmy, but like, look, I mean, look at their starters, right? Dragic yeah. was not, you know, it was not a huge high pick. Duncan sure. Robinson was, uh, he found Kendrick Nunn, the Warriors had on their summer league team. Right. So it's not like Bam out of bio was, was not a top five pick. Uh, Tyler Hero was 13. Or, I think Bam and, and Tyler Hero were like 13. Were late they were lot, both 13. Late lottery right. picks, 13, 14. Right in that same like range, that. yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I think that that it is – Iggy is, a, is brilliant, right? He's a brilliant basketball mind, and he is pointed out that – look, he also said in the article, talent wins, and he's yeah. right. But aside from that, culture does matter, and there are multiple ways to to get to the promised land. Yeah, so he um he he kind of tried to highlight that and I did appreciate him. He's he said you're a pain on one side and then you talk about the yoga stuff. So that's interesting. Um he do you, do you do yoga? You're in Norca. You're up there. You <laughs> I yoga? need to do it more because I keep throwing out my lower back, but honestly, I don't have the patience. So, and I don't have the you space. Gotta, I, by the way, get that cleaned up. You, I think you're younger than I am and I promise you it doesn't get back better. problems are no. No, no, I've thrown back, it out. Two I've back surgeries. Out three, it's no good. I've thrown it out three times in the last two years, so um, that's fun. Um, living in an apartment means I don't always have the most space in the world, so fair. That's a bigger thing, but I could probably make it work if I was a little more committed to it. So, with all that said, it is it is on my list. Now, the second part of Iggy's quote was my favorite part. This one didn't get as many headlines, but he talked about the game being dumbed down. Yeah, and he did. He kind of referenced, to me, it was all a shot at Houston. 
Uh, I, I don't even I, think, I think he that was took, his primary I, target. Yes. I don't think he, well, I don't even think he meant it as a shot as Houston as much as like, they're the first thing that popped to my mind with it. Uh, but he did mention Drew Holiday and Eric Gordon. I think he did mean it as a shot at Houston. <laughs> no, again, like for people that are, he is a basketball genius, right? We're well, Houston's about just the, Houston's the most extreme. Happens. Houston's the most extreme example of just space and spread pick and roll. So yes, but I I think you are taking away some of. Iggy's agency when you okay. <laughs> think that it like happened to him. Like he was a passenger in this, in this interview. Uh, you've been, you've been around Iggy more than I have. Sure. I don't think, especially he controls every interview that. Yeah. He okay. I, I, see, I see what you're saying. You don't think, don't think it was, I you don't think, think it was as passive a throwaway as I was, Correct. as I'm trying to, I don't think he, I, don't I think, think I'm just trying to, I think I'm just trying accident. to cover for him, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a shot at Houston. Okay. Let me read the quote. Here it goes. Well, you see in the bubble, there's more fouls called than ever. They want high scores. I think more guys are put in a box. It's catch and shoot threes or catch and drive real hard to the basket and dunk a finish. The little nuances of the game, gamesmanship, it's not appreciated or it's not sought after or valued as much. I know a lot of guys in the league, like Drew Holiday or Eric Gordon, they have so much in their game, but the way the game is played now, they're taken out of their games because they said, all right, we want you to shoot threes. We want you to defend. We want you to put your head down and drive. And those are two prime examples where guys are like, man, this guy's a monster to deal with. But the way the game has changed, you're limiting guys in a lot of ways. That's just the evolution of the game and where it's going. I think it will come back eventually. But like I said, seeing things like that, I know my value because of my IQ or even at the next level that I can get in the front office, a head coach, ahead of a team. Um, I butchered the last part of that. Let me, let me, if, I, if I can get to the front office or the head of a team. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I have my own thoughts, but I'm going to let you opine on that. He, he's, he's pointing out specifically Eric, Drew Holiday and Eric Gordon, guys who kind of play – Drew isn't tr- truly playing a 3 and D role, but like he often doesn't get to – explore his whole game because of the personality plays with and he has to kind of take on roles that maybe aren't the best way to use him eric gordon absolutely is asked to play a three and d role and yeah i don't know that that's his best function like he can shoot threes and he can play (laughs) well he's always been streaky but yes you're right um and then he uh he could defend a little bit but like a lot of his value is the fact that he can do more than that so i think it's i think it's two things here with iggy um i think one, I, I think there are a few people who are more honest. I, I, I said you've been around him more than I have, but from all from my time around him and from all of the people that interview him right. when he was at the Warriors that that I know, I don't think there are he controls every interview and he says what he wants to say and he will fuck with the question, the people asking the question. This is this is a product of being raised in Philly, which is just the greatest media climate in America. Oh. <laughs> oh, they're booing Santa Claus, right? And cheering, uh, cheering Michael Irvin when he's down on the on that uh, veteran stadium turf, that terrible yeah. turf. Um, so I think there's two things here. One, I think Iggy is just telling the truth. I think he's telling his truth. Um, and this, I think he is saying, my take on it is that he is saying that his value is increased and his longevity is increased because he sees himself mostly at this point of his life as a defender. 
Yeah. And he thinks it is, and he's probably and he right. Can, he could defend till he's 40 without fouling. I, that's what Me- I took. He's like, I know how if, – if they're just going to play that one way – Right, I can stay on the court a lot more than I could versus a dynamic player. So I think it's yeah, I think it's I think it's that I think that's it. I think he is saying like if I only have to worry about two things, right? There right. isn't there's a lack of diversity in your offensive game for guys that can do so much more. Eric Gordon, Drew Holiday, there's a ton of others. But if I can do if you guys if I only have to worry about you guys shooting catch and shoot threes or catching the ball at the three point line and putting your head down and trying to get into the lane, if those are the only two things I have to worry about as a defender, I am smart enough and good enough, no matter how old I am, no matter how much athleticism I've lost, to stop yeah, those as, things. As long as my I back doesn't part- give out, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, when I was in Portland, Jamal McGlure told me, because I've had a couple back surgeries, Jamal McGlure said it is two things that will take all the cool out of you. One is having a daughter, two is back problems. <laughs> it's so it is the back problems have taken all the cool out of me but so i think it's i think it's iggy saying i can be effective indefinitely on defense because i only have to worry about these two things if that's the way the nba world is going but i think there is like 10 percent of it or 20 percent of it i think there's a small portion of it that is iggy lamenting where the league is going because he's yeah. kind of an old school purist i think I, I think there's a small portion of it that's get I mean, off my lawn I do know, like, Warrior fans, particularly online, lament Steve Kerr to a degree. Like, they, they, they really just want to watch Steph cook a lot of the time. They just want to watch Steph shoot off a high pick and roll 50 times a game. Are they, and, are they wrong? <laughs> I mean, it is very fun to watch. Uh, but, but the reality is, if you know the Warrior team at all, you know that they're all true believers in the philosophy that Iguodala is talking about, which is having that diversity of the offense is king. Knowing you can go to that is also useful, but being able to diversify the offense matters. And it's not just Iguodala, like Steph, Clay, Draymond, we obviously Steve Kerr. They all believe in this you at think, its core. You, th- you think if we gave Steph Curry truth serum, he wouldn't want to cook? I think he wants to win more than he wants to cook. Honestly, I, no, 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 no. I agree. I do. You, agree. do I think I he wouldn't enjoy but having. I know. Th- a- I, I, no, no, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think Steph Curry is as committed to winning as anybody. I agree with right. that. Do you think, in his heart of hearts, if you gave Steph Curry truth serum, he wouldn't equate letting Steph cook with winning? Uh, he's thirty-two. I think a younger. Let, let's put it this way. If Steph was 23, 22, coming into this NBA more so, I think now that he has a formula that wins, probably less so. I think I think he's too old. I think it would be uh, a much bigger won, issue. But without Durant, the formula that won was him cooking. But not at this. I mean, they they still were at the bottom tier of the NBA in terms of pick and roll percentage. And you know it. Fair, like, fair. They, yeah, fair. They did not go there as much as other teams. They really diversified the offense and went to it when they wanted to. I'm sure part of them feels like they never go to it enough, but it's kind of the dichotomy of, I think I could score on this play all the time while also recognizing this offense maximizes me with him. 
that's just my read on the situation. So, so my read I mean, on it is is not is not specifically tied to pick and roll so much. Right. Uh, but my guess is if we gave Steph truth serum. Oh, he wants twenty five shots a game, thirty shots. He would a like game? to have. He would no, no, just he would like to have the ball more. Oh yeah, uh, I, 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 I think that if I uh, player, I am trying to speak for Warrior fans. That's ridiculous. But I think Warriors fans, my read on it is Warrior fans, it's not so much the pick and roll stuff. Although with Durant, it was specifically the Steph Durant pick and roll that I think Warriors fans think. Yeah, you have, you have two, the two best, two of the best offensive weapons of all time, and you're not putting them in an action together. Yeah. Can I say the two best? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Am I allowed to say the two best? Yeah, you uh, can. You said it, not me. Uh, yeah, your 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 listeners are gonna like this Warriors fans. In my opinion, Steph is the the best offensive player in the history of the NBA. We'll put that aside for now. Um, so I think I I think it is a fair criticism of Steve Kerr, not so much specifically the Steph pick and roll that isn't utilized as much as people might like, sure. which is is also a discussion. I think it's I think it is just specifically Steph off the ball too much. Um, whether it's pick and roll or not, I think I think a fair criticism is Steph should probably be on the ball more because of his ball handling, his shooting off the bounce, his passing, his ability to get in the lane, all of, all of those things. So I think if you gave Steph true serum, he would tell you he would like the ball more. It wouldn't necessarily be for a certain He just wants to be the one who's making the decision. Correct. Yeah. I, I, mean, I do agree with you, and anyone who says he wasn't frustrated at the end of the Durant eras is lying there was there was frustration there he just he's just a team guy so he's not going to make a big thing out of it the way other guys would but it I mean they went more and more Durant centric towards the end of the thing and well, I, at I the beginning think, too though at the yeah, beginning well, at the Steph begin- was trying to make him comfortable but at the beginning it was understandable because they didn't know how to play with each other in that capacity, like maybe it shouldn't have took them that long, but ultimately we're talking about like two months of regular season games before they get in, in sync. It's not a big deal. Um, at the end of it, it was, it was more about, I guess, other factors. Like there, there wasn't a, like, I don't know how to play with KD. It's like, no, you've played 200 games with them. You guys very clearly know each other's tendencies. That's not the issue. So, um, but with all that said, you're right that, he wants to be more central there and he will be next year because I don't think they're swinging a big trade going forward. I mean, they might, but given everything with the NBA, it seems highly unlikely that big moves are happening in the short term. Um, let's see, I think there's going to be some stuff. I mean, I, I think that I think, because, I mean, it's a never ending off season. So, you know, you but I, I think, I think something to watch, is I won't name any specific teams or players, but I think something important to watch and something for uh, Warriors fans and Light Years listeners to, and just NBA fans to watch is I think there is going to be a very serious divide between the financial haves and have nots, the Warriors right, be in right. the haves, um, because of what this, the bubble and COVID and people not finishing the, the regular season and people not being in stands necessarily in full capacity for next year, all of those things, what that's going to do for the financials for the league. I think that will kind of um, hyper incentivize some of the have nots to 
drop money and that is going to be an opportunity for some of the haves to to capitalize on that in a very capitalistic way so i, I think I, I think there's going to be some movement just just financial movement from from some teams even from some smaller market playoff teams uh i i think there is going to be movement is that so going that, to be that ties into star trek yeah go ahead. I was going to say that ties into something as reported today. Um, and Jared Weiss, the athletic was not the first person to say this, but it got aggregated today that Indiana may be looking to trade Oladipo. Maybe word is out there that Oladipo doesn't want to stay. And he, you know, Indiana is not the kind of team that is going to let a guy walk in free agency because they know they can't just fill that gap. They'd rather trade him a year early like they did with Paul George, like they've done with players in the past, and get something back in return. Uh, Miles Turner was also referenced. Uh, not quite the star, but maybe a better fit for the Warriors going forward. And um, I guess that's the first example, but I do agree with you. We're going to see more examples like that of teams in uh, maybe markets that don't print money, like the Warriors were at least planning to do a chase and were for 60-some games before the shutdown. Um, let's start with those guys. How do you feel about Indiana as a potential trade target? Uh, Before we get into this, I actually had trade down options, Indy and the Knicks, uh, for the draft here. We were going to talk some draft stuff, but let's do this backwards. Um, what do you think about Oladipo or Miles Turner for the Warriors? Are these options worth pursuing for them? Go for it. I mean, uh, they're both really good players, so it's always worth. Uh, you know, we talked about Iggy the discussion's earlier. always worth it. Yeah, we talked. Look, we talked about Iggy earlier, and one of his points is in, in that Amic article that an interview, an article that you referenced, is talent wins, right? Like, put the Clippers aside. <laughs> you know, we I made fun of Doc on Twitter, and and we you we we did that a little bit earlier, made fun of the Clippers, but like. Iggy's right. Talent wins. Is Miami the most talented team in the East? I don't know, but they're up there. But the Lakers, at least as far as top-end talent, because the Warriors are hurt, and maybe even if the Warriors weren't hurt, like as far as top, top top-end talent, the Lakers are up there. Top-end talent is what wins, right? Like all-star talent, superstar talent is what wins. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basketball. Like, I mean, we're we're fawning over Pat Mahomes before this game, but he plays one way. And he does have the ball in his hands every possession. But then, like, in basketball, you have, like, LeBron James. He plays both ways with the ball in his hands. Right. He's just going to – and it's five on five instead of 11 on 11. Right. Inevitably, one superstar basketball player has more impact on the game than a baseball or football player in any sport. Yeah, I mean, even a pitcher because they are – Right. They're once every five days or once every three games in the playoffs. Um, I have my A's hat on for (laughs) for watching. Shout out to Jesus Lazardo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shout out the A's losing in the first round again, starting uh, today. Tonight, tomorrow, as we record this today, as you listen to this. Um, I think that, look, Victor Oladipo, I, don't, I wouldn't call him a superstar, but he is a star. He's an all-star. There's injury issues. Um, so that's my, and, that's my big question with him. Like, I mean, he has and, and it's a fair question, and we didn't see enough. We didn't see enough. He played some in the bubble, but I don't think we saw enough to kind of make any determination about what he's going to look like going forward. It's a very serious injury. Um, one that 
there's been kind of a checkered history of coming back from miles turner is not to that level but he's 28 years old by the way yeah he's miles turner's really good still young is a good shot blocker can shoot it a little bit uh as a big doesn't appear to mesh particularly well with uh with sabonis um who i was an all-star this year miles turner's kind of like He's he's that guy that's probably going to be like on the list of so down the line best players that have never made an All Star game. Like he's sure. he, he's really good. He's good and he'll help you win. Um, but I think it is he he's also the Warriors appear to have a hole at center. He is somebody that I think would fit really well in this current Warriors ecosystem. Um, so I, I think it is a fair conversation to have. But I, I think all teams, I tend towards talent acquisition and our asset acquisition and talent acquisition. And so I, both of those guys are really good NBA players. Um, the Oladipo at times has even been great. So I think it is an interesting question to have. I know that, you know, obviously the, the money as far as the Warriors traded player exception from the Iguodala trade um well, I think both pretty closely with- I think both trades would require Wiggins going the other way just for contract purposes and probably the number two so let, let's 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 start there are you willing to part with the number two pick and Andrew Wiggins for some package of those players and maybe they throw picks back the other way they won't be as high like where's Indy picking this year? Seventeen, something in that range, right? Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, I think they were the five, four or five seed in the East. So yeah, they're probably high. They're in the high teens, low twenties. Um, uh, what I, if I'm the Warriors? Am I trading two and Wiggins for who? For for Oladipo? Oladipo? No, I mean Oladipo and Turner. The money doesn't work. Well, yeah, you you probably have to throw in Looney and, I mean, just to match contracts, quite frankly. So, so it's not, so, it's not yeah, even yeah, like... Am I, trading, am I trading two and two and Wiggins for... Two Wiggins and salary filler for Oladipo and Miles Turner? Yes. I, yes. Even if there's more draft cap, like, I mean, we, we can get into... I don't know that the Warriors need to worry about trading future picks if they make a move like that. They're kind of all in and just... I mean, they yeah, did. Tra- they traded two firsts to get Andre Godala, which felt potentially steep at the time because they weren't a lock and, to be huh. one of the best teams ever. And next thing you know, the picks you you know you trade or did I and Andres right or did he go? Was he? He did. Yeah, Utah, Richard Jefferson thing. No, yeah, yeah. he went. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they they had to, they had to dump. Yeah, they had to dump those trade those picks yeah. to make the trade work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that hurt my soul. <laughs> don't trade Andres B. You know, trade Andres Biedrich. Um, wh- look, would I trade? Would I also include the Minnesota top three protected first round pick next year? No, that seems like too much. But um, yeah, I so don't know. You, I think Oladipo and or Miles Turner would would. You know. How do you feel about uh, Steph Oladipo and Clay as a trio together? Is it too small? Um, because the one comment I got is we just saw D'Angelo Russell and stuff. And I'm like, okay, Oladipo is not D'Angelo Russell in terms of defense, in terms of Correct. just general acumen. But Oladipo is it's closer to 6'3 than he is to 6'5. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very good defender in the backcourt, but he 
he's not a, he, I mean, the Warriors are dealing with being spoiled with having like eight, six, seven wings the last few years. Yep. Um, and it does, it, I do wonder, is that too small or can, can that work with Draymond with maybe you get, maybe you get Miles Turner thrown in or just a center of that same size who could play defense? Can that, can that match up? I guess here's a better way to put it. The Lakers will still be good next year. They're still mm-hmm. going to have LeBron James and Anthony mm-hmm. Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do kind of have to build for the teams you're going to see in the playoffs. As disappointing as the Clippers playoff run was, they're still going to be huge on the wings and maybe being humbled gets them to get their, their act together. You're still dealing with, yeah, I, I mean, it is all theoretical, but what I'm saying is like, those are the type of teams you have to be planning towards because mm-hmm. I don't think the Warriors are interested in planning towards let's create like a really cute second round team who wins 50 games. And that's where we're at. No, I don't. I, I agree with you. That is never, you know, from, from what we all know of Warriors ownership and the fact that your podcast is named what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that is never. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think, um, you know, spunky little Shoot, teams that compete shoot, get to the shooting for round. a second round team that can't get over the hump is the goal. No, that's right. Um, so I, I do the like, look, the the wing backcourt trio of Steph, Clay, and uh, and Oladipo. Again, look, we don't exactly know what Clay's going to look like coming back, and we don't know what Oladipo. We have more information about what Oladipo's going to look like. Right, he's at least played twenty uh, some games. Yeah, he was horrible um, when he came back in the restart <laughs> or not in the restart. Like when he came back into the regular season, he was February, frankly, March, yeah. he, he was frankly horrible. I mean, horrible. Um, well, then wasn't going to play in the bubble, then decided to was better in the bubble. Now, if it's Victor Oladipo of two years ago, um, I think that that trio on the wings actually can work a lot. You, Play Steph at small forward. He's big enough that he can play small forward. Steph, Steph? Uh, excuse me, Clay has played yeah. for Clay has played small forward. You play Clay at small forward. He has Clay has spent a lot of his time guarding other teams' point guards. He, so if that if I was, I was actually gonna, yeah, go I was ahead. actually gonna throw in. I think Clay's probably gonna trend towards guarding bigger wings anyway. Um, the ACL mm-hmm. may make him a little slower on the point guards. He's in his thirties, but he's. I honestly thought the last few years he was better guarding bigger players where he could use strength than he was chasing quick guards as it is. Like that's that's a hard job to do at that size um, as you're losing quickness and getting worn down. It is. Um, he tended to be still the best option to do that. Sure. So often, you know, Iggy did, Iggy, yeah, whether it's Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul, Iggy did some of that, Steph did some of that. Um, even Durant did some of that, right? But it was uh, Clay tended to be the best option for yeah. most of those. So we'll see. But if you know, as you said, Oladipo's what is he twenty seven, twenty eight now? So he's a little younger. Again, we don't know what that ruptured tendon is going to look like when he's coming back. So um, is that something that he can do? But I think that is a that is a decent fit. And you know, look if that includes Miles Turner, great. A, a starting five of Steph, Oladipo, Clay, Draymond, and Miles Turner is a really, really good basketball team. I mean, that's that's 
that is a championship contender next year, even, even with the Lakers, even with uh, if the Clippers, you know, kind of maintain with Milwaukee maintaining, I, that's a really good basketball team. Look, I think the Warriors are going to be in the mix anyway, no matter what they do, but let's not act like adding all It's again, like, right. It's an arms rate. It's a, it's a talent play. It's what the Warriors have been doing. It's do whatever you can to acquire the best talent you can. It's what, what a top end talent. It's what all NBA teams are trying to do. So I, I would not, if that opportunity presents itself, I, I think the Warriors should look at that very specifically and, and drastically. So your, your thought process is basically it's absolutely worth exploring. Maybe don't give up your entire arsenal for it though. But if you can no, get I would it. Give up, if, if it's both guys, if it's, I would give up Wiggins, this pick, this, you know, this number two pick. And if you have to give up a future pick, fine. I, I would be hesitant or, or if, if they would prefer, if they want next year's Minnesota pick, fine. Um, I would be hesitant to give up if I was the Warriors, the pick this year, the number two pick and Minnesota's pick next year. It would take a like absolute home run superstar for me to give up both of those picks. Right. But I would be willing to give up one of those picks for for that package from Indiana. Okay. This, this is going to tie in. So now we, we have a bunch of questions here and I need to throw some of them out um, from Danny Burt 33. If the heat or the Lakers win the finals, will it have an impact on what the Warriors do this off season? We've kind of hit on that. If the well, heat, by the way, the heat or the heat or Lakers are going to win the finals. Yeah. Um, if the heat win, will they build towards more of a 2015, 16 type Warriors team? Seems like the direction they're currently headed. A deeper, well-rounded squad versus the Lakers when we see more of a star power going towards trying to go 2017 model of getting another star foregoing a deeper bench. I kind of want to answer this one first. Get it. I think by nature, Joe Lacob will want to go for the latter. He would, he would be willing to gut this current Warriors team for Giannis. Uh, he doesn't care about the fans' loyalty to Clay or Draymond or whatever it may be. If he sees an opportunity to get a player who is objectively like one of the five best players in the NBA and, quite frankly, five to six years younger than the core, I think that's where his heart is. Um, with that said, you never know if that opportunity presents itself. So I kind of think the Warriors are going to build more in the strength and numbers kind of vibe and like inevitably the best way to acquire said superstar player comes from having an accumulation of really good players, many of which are young. So you can trade, so you can play it both ways in that regard. Yeah. My read on it is um, the Warriors generally are going to go big game hunting. So um that's the biggest names. That's the biggest superstars. That's the best players. Those things do not always line up. Um, but I think the Warriors are concerned, of, not concerned, but interested in the best players um, because of what that means on the court, but also the biggest draws because of what that means for bringing people to Chase Center. Um, and frankly, in my opinion, strength in numbers only works and only worked because the Warriors top five or six or seven guys was better than everybody else's. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, the, the the big part of strength you, in numbers was we like, didn't we didn't recognize Steph, Clay, Draymond as like stars on that level because they came out of nowhere relative to let's just say Anthony Davis was a known superstar talent from the age of eighteen. Yeah, I, I like again, like strength in numbers is great, right? But when that leads to Festus Azili and <laughs> Anderson Verajal playing in a game seven of the those NBA are not finals, the numbers like, you want to call on. <laughs> like strength in numbers works because Steph Curry for a couple of years was the best player in the NBA. And in my opinion, again, is probably the best offensive player in the history of the NBA. Right. And Clay Thompson is a absolute hall of famer and Draymond is an absolute hall of famer and Iggy fine whatever like that's a conversation and then kevin durant is maybe the best score ever right like strength in numbers is cute and all but like the warriors won because their players strength in numbers is steve trying to make guy 7 through 15 feel like they're just as important right but the but yeah but the only way like that you can make guy 7 through 15 feel important but generally when you make guys 7 through 15 feel important you go 16 and 66 because guys one through six aren't any good. The reason strength in numbers was even available was because of how good the superstars were. So, um, and I, I, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, um, I warriors management and ownership seems to really value the names, value the cachet of superstars. So, I would guess, and this is not, I don't have any inside information on this, but I would guess the Warriors, when they have the opportunity to, are going to tend towards grabbing the best players they can. Like the Lakers, the Lakers are winning not because of strength in numbers. The Lakers are winning because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are better than everybody. Right. Else. Like KCP has been really good in his role, but KCP <laughs> has been KCP has been very good. Alex Caruso has been very good. Dwight Howard in spots has been really good. Right, but like Dwight Howard's been the most surprising player in the NBA for me this season. I just, I, I just fair. didn't, I didn't see it coming. But uh, he was, uh, to be fair, statistically, he's been good recently. He just his back didn't let him play much, and sure. he wasn't everybody's favorite in various locker rooms. Right, that's that's what I was getting at. Like it was, it, it was easy to project the idea that uh, he would cause problems there, but it hasn't worked out that way. He's actually been excellent. He has been, in his he role, has, he has been he's been really good. And as strange as this is, look, I, I said earlier, I, I'm fortunate enough to get to travel with the team a lot. So all of that, like the Lakers, seem to really like each other. All of that camaraderie that I, for those not watching sure. this, I'm I'm putting up air quotes for the podcast. Um, all of that camaraderie, like it's actually legitimate. The guys just enjoy being around each other. But, you know, for all of that strength and number stuff, the Lakers have some some decent role players, some good role players. But the Lakers win because of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Right. Miami, Miami doesn't have that level of superstar. Um, but Bam's an all-star. Jimmy Butler's an all-star, right? They're not, it's not like just a bunch of dudes sure. walking off the street. It's they're going to like, paint themselves as being like a ragtag bunch of Hoosiers, and it's not that. So. No, it's just not the right. It's just not the case. <laughs> They look, none of those guys are as good as Giannis. Like, right. It, sure. Are, it, individually. Are Bam, they're not. Right. Yeah. Individually. Do they have as much top end talent as the Celtics? Eh, I don't know, but it's comparable. And right. they have a lot of, they, they have a lot of like the, the heat have a lot of B and B minus guys 
they, you know, they've got some A minus, they've got two A minuses and a bunch of B's and B minuses. Now, dude. Hey, no, they, no Tyler Hero slander. He's about to be a superstar. You're, you're a big fan? Uh, yes, I'm a fan. Um, big, I'm, big, I'm, I'm actually going to see if the, uh, the, the, the Tyler hero, Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. <laughs> I was just catching, I was just catching up on that. I was laughing never, pretty hard at that. That's, that is just a, I mean, NBA guys really got to diversify the dating pool, but, uh, <laughs> but that's a different thing. But I actually want to do, do they though? <laughs> do they though? <laughs> Again, uh, did, did I mention I did, never? Did I mention I travel with? Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll le- we'll leave it there. This actually ties into a a different question here from uh, Sports Guy Shy. Is Andre the best role player of all time? If the Heat win the finals, Andre in general, I hate defining Andre Godal as a role player. Um. I mean, he's just a unique player in that in that capacity. Like he's not a star. Like you don't run your offense around Iguodala. You don't even run your defense around him per se. Like you you run your defense around Draymond Green or Anthony Davis, right? Like they kind of set your scheme in that capacity. Um, but Iguodala is just a winning player, and I, I'm curious your thoughts on that question. So I think we're, I mentioned earlier that Iggy's um, probably, maybe, probably a Hall of Famer, maybe. I, I think, he's, I go, think, he's getting in the Hall of Fame. I, I think he probably will. I think it's a fair question, but I think he probably will. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think that the discussion about Iguodala should talk about a role player. Um, he was the finals MVP. He shouldn't have won it, but he did. Right. He was um, the second best player for the Warriors in that finals. Like he's also he's he's made one All Star team, and you, you're saying you don't run your offense around uh, around Iguodala. At that one is, point, Philly did. Yes, correct. That's my point. Like now, you're right. Right, the Warriors never did, but they had Seth. Right, so yeah. like you, a 36 year old Andre Iguodala. You're right. You don't. Um, but 27 year old Andre Iguodala um, in Philly, sometime in Denver, like. Andre Iguodala is not just some dude. Andre Iguodala is, you know, pick a top what whatever list. Andre Iguodala is on that list of top however many. I mean, that li- a couple hundred, right? Andre Iguodala is one of the top whatever, two or three hundred basketball players that have ever lived. Right. Andre Iguodala is not some, like, just some dude. He He's not a great shooter. And so the way that the game is, we talked about this earlier, but the way that the game is played now uh, offensively doesn't fit his game incredibly well. Defensively, it does. But Andre Iguodala is not just like some, you know. Like and just to bad, just to be clear story. for the for the seven years before he came to the Warriors, so basically age twenty three to thirty, Philly, he averaged, yeah, he averaged sixteen six and six. He was a point forward. He was a point forward on a on teams that didn't have a primary option. Like he was always meant to be some variation of what Scottie Pippen or peak Draymond Green did, which is like lead the team in every statistical category, except for scoring. Yeah. And, and just fill every gap. basically. Yeah. And look, would Andre have won based on just, uh, excuse me, would he have gone to the hall just based on his statistics? No, no, but his statistics are good enough. His contribution to the game is good enough that when you add the championships and when you add the finals MVP, 
I think he's only made the all defensive team one time too, which is ridiculous. That's he the also, weird. That's he the, also should have made six man. He also should have won six man of the year one of the years with the Warriors, but has never. I don't think he's ever won it. Um, he gets so mad when he was mentioned. Like he wanted nothing to do with that award. Um, <laughs> did he? Did he not? That's no, funny. he's just like he. He just make fun of it because like that. The the, he, the concept of the award was just kind of hilarious. Um, yeah, I just I. So basically, my point is, I agree with you. Like, I think it's. I think we're doing a disservice to Andre if we kind of categorize him as a super sub role player guy. I mean, this is a dude that was a lottery pick uh, and did lead offenses earlier in his career and is probably going to the Hall of Fame and has been an all-star because he's like, I, he, I think it's more fair. He's a defensive genius and offensively kind of a jack of all trades. I think that's more fair than calling him a role player. From we got a question from Guhan uh, underscore RV. In terms of move the Warriors can make in draft free agents in the offseason, mm-hmm. what are the best outcomes within the finals? Do the finals affect their moves? Hmm. I'm gonna say no. I don't know that. I mean, I don't think the Lakers or Miami are gonna be a trade partner with them. So that one's out. Um, and then secondarily, I don't know that the result of the finals going to affect their thinking on basketball philosophy. Like they already value defense. Um, they don't need the finals to tell them that they need versatile, uh, vers- a versatile defense to win. Like they know that. Like they, yeah, they started that. Yeah, they're they're not going to come over at the finals. Like, man, we really need a bunch of wings who could switch everything. If we just had a bunch of six six to six yeah, nine exactly. guys, yeah, I uh, yeah no, I think you're. Uh, there's no more to say. I think you're 100 percent right. I don't think, I don't think anything. No matter who wins in the finals, the Lakers could sweep. Miami could sweep. It could go seven. Either team could win. I don't think it matters. Uh, it's not going to force like Warriors, a conceptual switch. No, as far as I, I don't think either is a, really a trade. Look, you never say never, but I don't think either is really a trade partner for the Warriors. I don't think anything that happens in the finals will affect the Warriors' free agency plans. And as you mentioned, um, I don't think it changes anything. It is the NBA is a copycat league, but I don't think it changes anything conceptually for the Warriors either. All right, from Shafutoyu, for the Heat to win, does Jimmy need to? do more on offense in the finals. I feel like he took a step back against the Celtics. All right. I wanted to get to the finals with you and we've danced around it forever. So we'll use this as a jumping off point. Sure. Um, I'm assuming or answer this right now. Okay. You think you, the Lakers are the favorite per Vegas. I assume you think they they're more likely to win. Yes. I think the, I think that the heat are a tougher matchup for the Lakers than Boston. Um, specifically because I think Boston would have been in real trouble with Anthony Davis. Right. I think with, with Bam, I think they have kind of a f- talent. He's not as talented as AD, but like physically talent mix. I think he's one of the better guys in the league to match up with Anthony Davis. And then they have Miami has a handful of guys, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, um, physically that look, nobody's going to stop and probably nobody's going to even slow down LeBron, but they have a bunch of guys physically that you can attempt. Um, so I think Miami is a tougher matchup than Boston would have been, 
But I don't think that Miami is going to have the firepower to beat the Lakers. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be a reasonably hard fought series, but I, I think the Lakers win in five or six. Do you think it's going to be harder than Denver? Because I for the Lakers, it was a, it was a five yes. game series, yes. but Denver. Outside of game one, I thought Denver made them work pretty hard for it the whole way through. Uh, yeah, Denver. Yeah, I think Denver also just kind of ran out of gas. Um, Denver well, did make the Lakers work. Stop. Yeah. yeah. So in Miami, so I, I think what's really going to be interesting is Miami plays a ton of zone. They play more zone than anybody else, and that's at this point has kind of been their primary defense. And I think we can basically just throw out anything from Miami in the regular season because right. The trade Iguodala and Crowder came over in trade. They also Myers Leonard, I think, started every game during the regular season and basically doesn't play anymore. Right. <laughs> um, so all of that can be thrown out. I think it'll be interesting to see whether the Lakers, the Lakers have basically had three different lineups in three different series, right? In the first series against Portland, they started JaVale. Uh, the starters with JaVale is plus 18.4 in 100 possessions. And then in the Houston series, they, the Lakers decided to go small, and they started with JaVale. Dwight basically didn't play at all. Markeith Morris started a bunch of games, and that lineup's like plus 50-something per 100. The starters with Markeith Morris. And then in, against, uh, against Denver, it went to Dwight Howard in the starting lineup. So it'll be interesting to see what Vogel does, kind of where he goes, what he wants to emphasize in the starting lineup. I think that's really interesting. But I think in the end, we've been talking about talent this whole time. And, and I don't think that I, I think Miami is going to be a tough out. But I don't Miami offensively, I don't think just doesn't I think they just don't have the firepower. So that's where I'm at. For me, Miami's chances to win begin and end with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And you can take that any way you want. Um, but end of the day, I, like I know what I'm getting from Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Iguodala, um, minus Dragic. They're all just going to be incredibly intelligent physical defenders who have various levels of offensive limitations. Dragic has been their best player in the playoffs, by the way. I mean, I mean, the yeah, question, the question was about Jimmy Butler and what it's going to take from Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. but Dragic has been their best player. To me, though, it really does come down to uh, they've gotten a lot of firepower out of two guys who no one really counted on to be excellent shooters. Just to put into context, mm-hmm. in the six games against the Celtics, uh, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero combined for. 35 threes. Uh, they were basically making six a game. Uh, they were taking something in the realm of 15. They were shooting almost 40% combined. They're not Stephen Clay, but those numbers from a playoff context in terms of volume and the uh, efficiency they were making are approaching Stephen Clay levels. Yeah. And I don't know if they can keep doing it. I would be very skeptical that they would have even done it if this was played in the Boston garden and there was normal travel, but it's not. Uh, so maybe those inexperienced things matter less in the bubble. Um, for me, everything with them comes down to if they can get some high end shooting from those two players that opens up everything for them. Cause they're not good enough offensively. Otherwise. Yeah. I think, um, um I, don't ahead, no, real, I don't know if it's realistic. I just think everyone else in the final, like, 
we know what we're going to get from LeBron. And, you know, he may even have a performance or two that exceeds what we know we get. Um, Anthony Davis is a very similar case. Like he's pretty damn consistent in terms of what he produces every game. And that alone should be enough to make the Lakers a favorite. So it really comes down to if Miami can exceed expectations from behind the three point line for me. Yeah. And Miami was great. They haven't been, they haven't been as good in, uh, in the playoffs, but Miami was great during the regular shoot season shooting threes. And I, I think you're right. I think that three point shooting has will be, uh, the deciding factor. The Lakers, like frankly, weren't that good in the regular season and have only shot 35.5% in the playoffs, but the Lakers have generated a good amount of open and wide open threes uh, for, for (laughs) the less analytically uh, educated listeners out there. The NBA defines second spectrum, NBA.com, et cetera. They decide they, they define open threes as the closest defender being four to six feet away they define wide open threes as six or more feet away. And Miami gives up a pretty good amount of open and wide open threes um, because among other reasons, because they play a bunch of zone, which is going to give up more open and wide open threes. It's also going to be a problem offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding. The Lakers are really good offensive rebounding team um, because they have a bunch of athletic, enormous guys. They're huge. Yeah. Right. So, um, if Miami chooses to play zone, which which will take some of the Lakers pick and roll game away, the LeBron pick and roll game away, um, if Miami chooses to play zone as much as they have been, that's going to give up open and wide open threes. The question: Will the Lakers make them? They gave up a ton of them. They they Miami only gives up thirty four threes a game uh, in the playoffs, which is not a lot, but half of them are open or wide open. And Boston just didn't make any of them. Boston made 32.2% of their wide open threes. They're, they're going to say it's because Miami tried to funnel them to bad shooters like Marcus Smart, for example. Marcus Smart was second on the team in three-point attempts. I don't know how much of that is actually the defense as much as Marcus Smart really loves to shoot the ball. I look, some of it, look, some of it all with three point defense, like not as much as free throw defense, but with three point defense, some of it is just luck. Some of it is pure luck. Miami gave up a bunch of open and wide open threes during the playoffs. Boston didn't make any of them. Indiana shot okay. Boston didn't make any. Milwaukee was terrible shooting open and wide open threes against them. Uh, The Lakers generated the six most open and wide open threes in the playoffs so far. So I think a lot of it, and they shot them relatively well. Uh, So the question is, if Miami plays a bunch of zone, and I suspect they will because I think they're going to test the Lakers shooters, will the Lakers make open and wide open threes? If, if the answer is yes, if the answer is hell yes, I think the Lakers could sweep them. If the answer is yes, right. it's Lakers in five or six. If the answer is eh, then it we have dicey. a series. Yeah. yeah. And but, that, that's something yeah. worth – I'm looking at this right now. The Lakers – just took significantly less threes versus Denver than Boston and Miami took in their series, honestly. Yeah. So, Um, and the other interesting, the other interesting part of it is one way to generate, look, Miami plays a bunch of zone, which is going to give up open and wide open threes. But the other way to get those open and wide open threes is through transition. So the Lakers sometimes against Denver were very cognizant of trying to run even off of made 
shots Denver makes. So how much is, how much are the Lakers going to try to do offensively in transition to get those open threes? But it, I don't think it's going to come down to a three-point shooting contest because, frankly, Miami probably wins that. But I do think, although Jimmy Butler shot better than he's going to in the playoffs uh, from three, but I, I think the Lakers getting those, getting and making open threes against the Miami zone is, uh, is going to be important. Jimmy, by the way, shot 17% from three. Against? In the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, so before the playoffs, but he also didn't take any threes. So for the playoffs, I think he's like thirty-seven or thirty-eight percent. He was Iggy's making like him thirty. Iggy's yeah. at like thirty-nine percent for the playoffs, and uh, Robinson and Hero are both like forty and forty-two percent. Yeah, they're they're raining threes. By the way, Jimmy Butler only taking two threes a game in the playoffs. Um, he doesn't he? Doesn't he? Just he he's one of those guys. He doesn't. Yeah. he doesn't love it. No, not at all. Head down yeah. to the rim. Gonna yeah. gonna be fun for him versus Big Face Coffee. Yeah. All right. Shout one out la- Big Face Coffee. One last question before we get out of here. I. Where was the one I went to? Oh, here we go. From my guy, the city too. Do we actually hate Mello, or is this all a smoke screen to draft Lamelo? Oh, I, we don't. We don't mean Anthony. We mean Ball. Yes. Lamelo, there today. There was a clip of him talking about how he disagreed with his dad and yeah. playing on the Warriors would be fun. That didn't surprise me. What no draft prospect's going to come out and publicly be like, I really don't want to play for that team. Correct. Their father the may, but they will not. Yeah. Um, Lamelo Ball and Steve Kerr match made in heaven. No. <laughs> uh, it would not. Uh, from the outside, it would not appear to me to be <laughs> a match made in heaven. Although, I think uh, other than you and I, have, <laughs> you and I have had this conversation offline. But other than James Wiseman, um, I think Mello has the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft. All right, let me ask you this: you've you've watched enough of Mello to feel confident saying that. How confident yeah. are you? For me. I, it's all about the jump shot with him mm-hmm. and it's gross right now. I now I'm not, I'm not a, a shot doctor. I'm not someone I'm also not in the gym with him every day. So I don't necessarily feel comfortable to me. It looks like it's not a guarantee that it'll ever come around, but I want your thoughts on what you think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have been in the gym with him a little bit. Okay. Um, and I, it's better than Lonzo's. Okay. How about that? It's better than at, at, at the same age, it's better than Lonzo's. Um, it de- so I have more faith in his ability just because of the starting point. I have more faith in his ability to get it where it needs to be than Lonzo. Um, so I think, and you know, we're talking about all these guys that the Warriors have been looking at, like Hal Burton is kind of similar to at least Lonzo, like as far as college, it's right. kind of similar where like, it doesn't look like it should go in, but, but it, it just goes keeps in going more, in. Yeah. It just keeps going in. That has it that, and that's what happened with Lonzo at UCLA, but right. that hasn't been the case for Lonzo in the NBA. I think that uh, Mello is starting from a better place, just technically as far as his shot is starting from a better place than both of them. Um, 
there's a lot of work that needs to be done though on the jump shot. And I agree with you. I mean, look, Lonzo's still a really good NBA player. And I think Melo for some of the same reasons can be, even if the shot isn't where we, everybody would like it to be. Sure. But I think there's a better chance of it getting there than with Lonzo, because frankly, the starting point is less broken. So I think, I think there's a decent chance. I think Melo has the second highest ceiling of anybody in this draft. And and just uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's a good fit with Kerr though. No, and I think actually he runs into a issue of timeline. Like he just seems to me like a guy who, if he does become a superstar in the NBA, we're talking year three, year four, something along that line. And do the Warriors have the patience for that? Do they have the patience for a two month period where he it feels like he can't hit a shot or play any defense, and you're like. Can I mean, they still look keep at the going? La- look at the look at the last handful of drafts. <laughs> True, what they've drafted the last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I think I think it's not so much a timeline issue because I think the Warriors, while they're in one respect playing for next year and should be and playing for the rest of sure. Steph and Clay and Draymond's prime and somebody that can help now. Um, I think they also, because of those guys, sort of have the luxury of maybe like playing somebody who's not great now, but can be the next guy. I think the 15 question to though, 20 minutes a night. Yeah. I think the question though, it is, and in my opinion, you and I, again, have talked about this offline, but I think the Warriors should be, in my opinion, trying to find the highest ceiling guys. Right. I think they've gotten in trouble trying to draft what they thought were like sure thing contributors at 27 and 30 and 28 and just have guys that can't play and have, and have no upside. So I think I would tend towards, if I was the Warriors, I would tend towards more upside, but I think the thing that may be limiting mellow is not so much the the timeline with the Warriors is that I think a lot of his value, much like his brother comes on the ball and how much time are you going to be willing even if he's decent at it, like the Warriors need to win games now. So how much time are you willing to give to the development of LaMelo ball as, as your point guard? Like if Steph is playing 37 minutes a night. Yeah. Like, it's like how, where is he going to get the reps as a point guard? That does make it tough. So before, before we get out of here, I want you to give your, sales pitch to the warrior fans on why you think because you mentioned it earlier and i've talked to you about why you think james wiseman is the best the best option for them so positionally um obviously he's the best fit right if if going with without any without any other trades movement whatever the warriors seem to have at this point they're starting one two three and four um I think they're. I think the Warriors should and will probably go after a another center, starting caliber center in free agency. But those can be had pretty cheaply. And I think of everybody in this draft, James Wiseman has the highest upside of anybody, and the most, not necessarily the most likely. Uh, he's not the necessarily the most likely of reaching that potential. But I think if everybody reaches their potential, the best, their highest ceiling, I think James Weissman is the best player out of all of them. The Warriors also have a dearth of athleticism. Steph, Clay, Dr- Wiggins is fine. 
Wiggins is a good athlete even by NBA standards, but Steph, Clay, Draymond. Uh, They're not Pas- trending in the right direction. Pascal's yeah. a good I, – I think one of the things – Pascal's a good athlete. Chris is a good athlete. But I think one of the things that the Warriors can use more of is athletes. Um, and he is a great athlete. Do we know? I don't know that the I don't know that the jumper is going to come around. Um, I think that the jumper he's he's got some kind of he's got some IQ to the offensive game. I think there's a good chance he's a difference maker on defense, which is more important right. as a center in the NBA. It's more your defense is more important than your offense. Basically, everybody else, your offense is more important than your defense. Right. Um, I just think that the Warriors at this point should probably be trying to hit home runs. The, like, bunt singles. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get one in the gap. Let's get a little double in the gap kind of thing has not been working for the Warriors. Um, I think it's time for the Warriors to try to start hitting home runs. And I think James Wiseman has the best chance at being a home run. And in addition to that, he fits them positionally. So that would be my take. I also think Anthony Edwards is going first. That would be my take. My pick would be, would be Wiseman second. My pick would probably be Wiseman first, but um, I just think that it's time for the Warriors to try to start hitting some home runs. And I think the best chance at a home run is Wiseman. Makes sense. I'm going to talk myself into every prospect between now and the draft. Who, wait, who, who do you who do you you, you think they're trading down? So we'll get, I feel that's, very that's confident con- they're trading down. Um, you're you're better sourced on this than I am, and I would stay out of it even if I was sourced on it. But if if you had the first pick, if the Warriors had the first pick, who would you take? This could change between now and whenever the NBA has decided the draft. Officially. For me, it's it's still between Edwards and Wiseman. Um, I I really need to see the jumper come around for Wiseman. I need to feel a little better. If, if, let me put it this way. If I think his jumper can be Miles Turner level, which is not automatic, but enough of a threat that you're okay with him taking it. Turner can shoot it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Turner's what, a mid-30% shooter every he now and then he gets yeah, hot. He can shoot it. If, if, if he can get his jump shot to that level, I think you take Wiseman. Um, but I still look at Wiseman and Edwards as players who are not closing games for the Warriors next year. Not not games that matter anyway. They, maybe they'll close against Charlotte or, um, you know, uh, Phoenix or something like that. But, like, you're not closing a playoff game against the Clippers or Lakers with a rookie. All right. So, so the, all right. I, so, I mean, what I'm saying I, is I, I'm, I, I don't know that you're – I'm not saying you're wrong. So, then give I'm me. saying you still have to look at who you think is going to be the best player in two to three years. Oh, but and so, I th- wait, I think that might the, be... do you think anybody in this current draft is closing? No, a of course, of course not. Of course not. Right. No. So that's that. So that's where the positional fit matters to me less. That's where okay. Wiseman, because like all things considered, what I want to add to this team is the fifth player to close with the core four. <laughs> but uh, and that's not coming in the draft. So I'm trying to look at two to three years down the line. Who's going to be the guy that I? that I either either he's going to help me trade for the next guy or he's so good that you consider trading someone in your starting lineup to make room for him. Like what Bam did for the Heat or, you know, just what top prospects do for most players in general, right? Someone who forces your hand in that way. And I can't go I, – I still think that's probably Edwards. I still think Edwards put him in the Warriors – 
some of I he strikes me as a swing prospect where if he goes to the right organization, a lot of those habits get cleaned up. If he goes to Minnesota, we might be looking at a six five Andrew Wiggins type of situation. In which case I'll talk myself into him on the Warriors in five years. <laughs> but all right. So now I'm putting I'm putting you on the spotlight years. Who's who uh whatever game that matters next year in the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't matter who it's against. Who's who's closing games for the Warriors? Give me the five on the floor for the Warriors in a game that, in a game out a playoff game that matters next in uh, what year Steph, is it? What day Steph. is it? In two thousand let's so in in like October because I if we start in February or March. So <laughs> twelve like, months o- from now. <laughs> yeah, like October of two thousand twenty one. When hopefully there's fans in NBA arenas, but who knows at this point? I mean, obviously Giannis. Please, please, please wear a mask. Please wear a mask so we can watch basketball again. Steph, um, Clay, Giannis, Embiid. No, shut through the hall. I do think those players are a year away from potentially being trade options if the Warriors play their asset game right. But what is today? Said, today it's September twenty eighth. Is that right? Yeah. All right, September, as we record this, September 28th, September 29th. Is I think they're going to get Marcus All. I think they're going to. Okay, so close give, me the f- give me the five. Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Marcus All. Not the most athletic team. They do oh, have yeah, the yeah. appropriate you amount of You can win basketball games with those five. They're going to go full Spursy on us. They're going to look like the second half of uh, Duncan's Prime or whatever you want to call it where it's a lot more execution-based, but they can be vulnerable to teams with extreme athleticism. I think that's probably the best they can do right now. Like We know Marcus All's skill set fits exactly what they want to do on both ends. Um, he has the requisite size to address one issue. He also is losing a step athletically while other players are. I just think it's probably still their best option at this point, uh, short, Giannis demanding a trade or Embiid or one of those type of things happening. So I think that's the way they're going. I don't think the Draymond at center thing is going to be their best option next year unless they – I can't even think of a big wing who they can acquire to make that in play, to be honest. Uh, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Marcus Gasol, that wins basketball games. It does. I mean, that's – Marcus Gasol was horrific in the playoffs, but he I mean, was good. Was really, he was good in the playoffs re- last year. It was really weird. He forgot how to shoot, but um, he was good in the playoffs last year. I but look, that's that's. Uh, I, I think if that is the outcome, and then maybe whoever the second pick is slots in, and I assume that's the the. I assume yeah, you're yeah, getting yeah, Gasol in the, in the second unit too. Like I, I assume you're getting Gasol in the mid level. That's so, that's what I'm thinking. Theoretically, the TPE is used for a rotation guy, and hopefully, you get a rotation guy in the draft. Well, and the other Pascal, there's your eight or nine. Yeah, there's there's your other aspect. By the way, uh, Gasol shot 39 percent and 18 percent from three in the bubble. So, you know, yeah, that's not, he, he was not good. He, he was, was not good on offense. He was, and good. he was good. He was he was good in the playoffs last year, though. He was. He, he was looked. This, this year lost, not, he lost too much weight. This year was uh, we gotta get him. We gotta get him puffy again. Yeah, you him and him and him and Joker. Yeah, exactly. Although yeah. you were trying to get you're trying to get Dre to lose weight now. Well, his his job his job requires him. Keep it consistent. His job requires a little more flexibility. I don't know. 
I don't, did you see on like who I don't remember who who it was on uh, I think it was on Twitter maybe it was Instagram I think it was Twitter like <laughs> three years ago who posted the thing with Draymond with a backpack on it looked like he was shooting with every time it looks like he's shooting with a backpack on right and I've never been able to unsee it since no not at all the backpack Draymond is here to stay and I don't know if it's ever going away I mean I'm I'm just attributing it to the body blows he's taken over the years but I can't get out of my head either. Oh, wow. I'm looking at Gasol's numbers. They're even worse against the Celtics. Anyway, he's still coming to the worst. Gasol, he was, he was, he's not been good recently. No. I don't, not, I don't think he's I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's done, but it, he has not been good of late. All right, hear me on this. So if you have him start, maybe you do get Wiseman. So it's kind of a tandem effect. You know, Mark's yeah. more reliable vet, but the hopes are Wiseman develops quick. Uh, you have Pascal. And, and Chris and Looney. Yeah. Yeah, and Smile Geach, my guy. Um, <laughs> I, I, every time I listen, every time I listen, you guys go in on the draft process <laughs> regarding. It's not my it's not my favorite part of the Warriors organization, but yeah, <laughs> but that's I, I've, I've picked that up. <laughs> All right, we're getting we're getting out of here on this note. We'll leave it there. I appreciate you as always. We'll talk post finals. I need Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero to to rain threes so I can talk a little trash. I'm gonna just leave it there. For, yeah. <laughs> that's we'll just yeah. I, uh, yes, you can root for you root for the heat. You can you can root for the heat. I'm gonna not join all about all about the culture here. Whatever. He culture he culture is a thing. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.